Hey everybody, this is Farmer D with the Citizen Farmers Podcast, bringing you inspiration, knowledge, and resources to help you grow healthy food, build thriving communities, and give back to the earth. For the past 25 years, I've been designing and building farms and gardens from backyards to agrihoods, and I'm excited to share my passion and experience for growing food and community with you. Let's dig in. Welcome back to part two of Sustaining Equals Perseverance. In the first episode, you know, we really focused on entrepreneurship of um, opportunities for generating income and sustaining the garden, creative ways to do that. In this episode, I want to focus more on putting your garden to rest for the winter. And we're going to talk a bit about tools and cover cropping and preserving your own well-being as well as your garden. This will be the final episode in this series. So it's kind of exciting and kind of sad. Enjoy. So I'm, I'm about to hit the road again. Um, we are, um, I'm going to take my whole family to the East Coast. You know, we're in California. The fires are burning. There's more fires coming right now. Terrible fire in Napa, in Sonoma County, the county I live in. Just thankfully, it's, you know, it's not, it's not immediately affecting us with fire, but we've been heavily affected by smoke and ash the last few days. And it's just devastating to see so many vineyards and farms just, you know, burnt to the ground just in the last few days. It's just, it's heartbreaking. And, you know, we're just at a point right now um, where I have a, a lot of work on the East Coast, a number of projects that I need to go visit, and I don't feel comfortable leaving my family uh, here in fire-prone um, California while I'm thousands of miles away, and I'm not that excited about flying during COVID either. And we haven't seen our families in almost a year, so we just figured, you know what, let's pack up the RV again. We did 2,000 miles on our last trip with success, and so now we're going to take on um, our biggest adventure ever. We are leaving in a few days. Today's actually my last day of packing and moving, and Friday we hit the road, and we're going to drive all the way across the country to the northeast, to New Jersey, and make our way south through Virginia and down to Atlanta and lots of um, adventures around those places. And it's open-ended. We just don't know how long it's going to last. You know, we're going to go for probably about three, four months is our thinking, and then make our way back uh, to the West Coast. So we'll see. Um, It's exciting and kind of insane. We're going to home road school our kids. Then we see them becoming road scholars and teach them about the country and um, as we travel through all the different states. And... um, Make the best of this crazy time we're in. Uh, so, so just yesterday, my dear friend Joaquin uh, came over and loaded his pickup truck with all my tools, um, shovels and rakes and broad forks and you know hose. And he so generously is going to um, sand them and oil them and take care of them for me and restore them during the winter. Um, what a friend and. So that's there's this little section here on on tending your tools because you know as you're finishing up your garden and kind of putting it to sleep for the winter, one of the things you can do um, in the winter months is just take care of your tools. The other thing that I find kind of ironic is in a couple hours we're going to take our kids or at least a friend's going to. I wish I was taking the kids. I got a pack, but a couple of our our neighbors are going to take our kids over to the farm to Green Valley Community Farm to harvest this incredible crop of corn. And in the book, there's a shucking meditation. And I'm just going to share it with you. It's really short. Yes, that was shucking with an S-H. 
Shucking and shelling bring back memories of sitting on the front porch of the farmhouse with harvest bins full of garlic or flint corn, or out in the grass with crates of leeks or green onions relaxing after a long day of harvesting and just peeling away. Sit down on a rocking chair with bins of garlic, leeks, onions, or corn. One by one, peel the layers and remove the outer husk and reveal the shiny crop below. You can sit and shuck for hours on end, letting the time go by while still being very productive. Shucking is also a great community activity that can be enjoyed with others. So get your shuck on. Um, this is the time, right? We're in the fall. Um, we're harvesting things like garlic and corn that, that need to be shucked. And I just love that. I love like those activities like shelling peas and beans and shucking that are just relaxing yet productive. And then uh, another part of the book here of this chapter is about preserving the harvest. So there's a whole section on tools for preserving from canning jars and um, canning pots and fermenting crocks and dehydrators and things like that. And some top 10 crops to preserve, things like cucumbers and carrots and bush beans and cabbage and tomatoes and basil and fruit trees, of course. Um, I just made a awesome batch of salsa with a bumper crop of tomatoes on the farm. It was so fun to share with folks. And then uh, the next section is, is, is very timely for the moment, which is uh, about the fall garden. So if you work or travel a lot over the summer, your garden may seem overgrown and neglected and may therefore be the last place you want to spend time. Follow these easy steps and I'll help you whip it back into shape so you can fall in love with your garden again. So the fall garden is is often gets a little crazy, right? Because things have gotten really wild over the summer. The vine, the squash vines are everywhere. The corn's big and dead plants. You've got big tomato plants on trellises. Maybe you've got pole beans also. Like you've just got a lot of stuff to clean out, right? So the fall is a good time to clean out the summer garden, compost all that stuff, uh, amend the soil, add some compost, maybe refertilize and plant your fall crop. Now you can plant veggies for the fall season and winter season, things like leafy greens like kale and collards and spinach and root vegetables and all kinds of stuff that, you know, the fall, depending on where you are and how cold it gets when your planting windows are, the fall season is often a very, I think, underappreciated season. There are so many wonderful veggies that grow in the cool season. So, you know, if you can get your, your summer stuff out as it's starting to, you know, be less and less productive and starting to be more of a, of a habitat for bugs and disease, clean it out, get in there and plant your fall veggies and get yourself a nice crop of leafy greens and root veggies before the winter sets in. And the other thing that's really important is cover crop. So cover cropping is a huge part of the fall season and preparing your garden for winter. And actually, before, before I dive into cover crops, the one other thing that I want to say about fall gardens, fall, fall veggies, is there are things you can do to extend the season. So let me read you this one little section from the book about extending your growing season. Many folks think once football season begins and swimming pools close, the vegetable garden is also shut down for the winter. God, it's kind of funny to read that now, like football season. What a joke. Um, this could not be further from the truth. Warmer areas of the country are fortunate enough to have an extended growing season due to mostly mild and short winters. 
collard greens, broccoli, cabbage, parsley, onions, garlic, mustards, root vegetables, and many more cool season crops, I'm going to throw peas in there, are cold hardy and frost tolerant. In fact, the leafy greens get sweeter as the air chills and the bugs just about disappear. If you're not ready to surrender your basil and tomatoes to the chill of winter's inevitable arrival, bring out the frost blankets, row covers, or old sheets. These will allow you to fend off winter for a few extra weeks or even months. Row cover keeps the heat from the bed trapped in at night, raises the soil temperature quickly during the day, and also helps protect plants from the desiccating effects of strong winds. Using wire hoops or your own homemade supports to build a tunnel will help to hold up a heavier frost blanket over your raised garden beds, giving your plants the ability to grow upright unhindered. Floating row cover is an extremely lightweight, breathable fabric that can be laid directly over plants without a supporting framework, but it will need to be secured with garden staples or stakes or weight to keep it in place. With a little care, these fabrics can be used for several seasons. For a more permanent season-extending garden fixture, try using a cold frame, which is essentially a raised bed with a slanted panel of glass or plexiglass on top. This window is on hinges and can be opened and closed easily. Cold frames are like mini greenhouses, allowing sunlight through but preventing heat from escaping. They are best located facing south to capture the most light and heat. The valuable space within cold frames can be used in spring to germinate seeds or harden off seedlings, easing their transition from being in the comforts of a greenhouse to braving the elements of the unprotected outdoors. By following these recommendations, you can rest assured that as you are warming your toes by the fire and sipping homemade soup, your plants will be just as cozy as you are. So, yeah, there's a lot of season extension options, you know, depending on how uh, how uh, involved you want to get. But, you know, there's everything from just covering your plants, you know, on the cold nights to keep them from that, that one or two frost nights. And then you might get like an Indian summer and extend the harvest a few weeks to actually putting, you know, hoops, cloches, you know, wire hoops and, and plastic tunnels or fabric tunnels over your beds, or even building a, a greenhouse or a, a high tunnel or hoop house in your in your backyard to extend the season with things. So there are some really simple and creative things you can do to keep growing food all year long. Repair the world all winter long. What if I told you that you can help repair the world all winter long by barely lifting a finger. And what if I told you that this would set the stage, or rather prepare the ground, for extraordinary bounty in the year to come? Would that be worth an hour or two now? Especially if those couple of hours were spent outdoors in the beautiful fall weather? Here are three things you can do this winter to prepare yourself and your garden for spring. One, recycle leaves. Save, crush, and spread dead leaves on your garden beds and add some to your compost pile as well. Two, spread the love. Give from your garden and from your heart. Share your knowledge and your time with aspiring or struggling gardeners who need help getting started or rebuilding their confidence. Three, rejuvenate yourself. Read, browse seed catalogs, laugh, visit, connect, take walks, do things that help you relax and replenish your energy during these months of cooler days and longer nights. The first shoots of spring will come soon enough. In fact, many gardeners will be out there planting onion sets in late January and potatoes in February, with a lineup of peas, lettuce, and arugula soon to follow. Put winter to work for you in advance by preparing your garden and, by extension, the world. Without too much work, we can make a difference while enjoying the rest and rejuvenation we so desperately need. 
another little section in this chapter is about seed saving, which is about longevity and heritage and resilience. It's about creating a legacy as you pick from the cream of the crop and let those beauties set seed for future generations. You may be thinking that it's hard enough to grow a crop to harvest, right? Why go the extra step and use up valuable time and space to save your own seeds? Well, here's a few good reasons. One, learning. Bolting or going to seed is a natural process that plants go through. By letting it happen, we can deepen our understanding of a crop's life cycle. It's another skill to put in your toolbox, and the rewards are well worth the effort. I teach, I love to teach kids about bolting and, uh, you know, how a plant makes seed. I mean, it's just so amazing, right? So often we harvest our crops before they go to seed, so we don't get to see that whole process. So it's really wonderful to, to, to show and educate, and, and, and in many cases, you get the benefit of also getting seed. Um, food security. Saving your own seed is yet another step in the direction of becoming totally self-reliant. It also means you don't have to buy seed elsewhere, thereby saving money and ensuring your own food independence. Preservation. We need to preserve the plant varieties that have been grown for centuries and have been passed down from generation to generation. Saving your own seeds is a way to take direct action against the industrial food system's patenting and genetic modification of seeds. There has never been a more important time in history to be protecting heirloom seeds. Better performance. When you save seeds from the best performers in your garden, you're improving the genetics of the crops that are getting more and more acclimated to your microclimate. Saving seeds strengthens the ability of your crops to fend off disease, pests, and drought, making gardening easier and more abundant year after year. Better taste. Most commercial seeds are bred for looks and storage life, so they can survive the long journey in a refrigerated truck. The beauty of a backyard garden is that you can breed for taste and nutrition. Pick the crops that you like best, save their seeds, and each year you will fall more and more in love with your favorite varieties. It's your right. Many farmers are being sued for saving their own seeds, as large companies try to monopolize the market by forcing farmers to buy their seeds year after year. It's your right to grow and save your own seeds, and I encourage you to exercise that right. And lastly, it's fun. Trading seeds with other gardeners is an age-old pastime. It brings people together to share not only the seeds, but also the wealth of stories, growing tips, and recipes that come with them. I'm going to share um, some tips for increasing local food security. The first time you harvest fresh greens from under a row cover during a snowstorm that shuts down the city, you have a major aha moment when you realize that having your own garden increases your family's food security. When you're finally able to make it to the supermarket and discover the bare shelves, you will see how vulnerable we become as a society by relying on long-distance growing and transportation of our food. And if you live in a food desert, you already know how precious fresh produce is. Here are several proactive steps you can take to increase your local food availability and thus food security. I got to say, I mean, COVID has made this, it's funny to read this from so long ago and think about how relevant this, this is today. So number one, shop at your local farmer's market. If you're lucky enough to have a farmer's market nearby, then get out and support your farmers, meet neighbors, and stock the fridge and pantry with healthy, organic, local produce. If you participate in the SNAP program, EBT, you can double your benefits as many farmer's markets through a nonprofit program called Wholesome Wave allow you to get twice the value of produce if you use SNAP. It's called Double Up Bucks, I think is what the program is usually called. Two, sign up for a CSA. Joining a community-supported agriculture farm 
gets you a prepaid weekly farm box and provides local farmers with upfront seed money so that they have a secured customer base for the food that they grow and you get to eat. Some CSAs offer discounted or even free worker shares for putting in time on the farm or volunteering your home as a delivery location. There are also CSAs that provide donated food shares with the help of private donations and grants. And it's been fascinating to see how much CSAs have grown since COVID. You know, CSAs were really struggling to compete with, you know, the home delivery services that have popped up in, in recent years. And, um, the, you know, the Instacarts and Whole Foods with Amazon and all these, these, these easy, convenient ways to shop. But what was fascinating is when COVID hit, all of a sudden CSA farm memberships exploded and there were waiting lists across the board. So, you know, it shows you that we, we suddenly understand this value um, of food security when there's lines down the street for grocery stores and things running out, and, you know, and our food supply chain is being impacted. So, you know, let's be preemptive, you know, and, and not forget post-COVID, God willing, it passes quickly to continue to support our small local CSA farms. So important. Three, teach your children to appreciate homegrown and locally produced food. In doing so, you will increase their long-term food security by providing them with a skill they will take with them through life. Go to bed satisfied knowing that you are bridging the knowledge gap about growing food to feed our own families as well as generations to come. And four, advocate for change. Many cities have ordinances that create barriers to increase local food security. No backyard chickens, bees, or goats. No front yard gardens. No compost piles. No accessory structures, including greenhouses and tool sheds. No commercial sales of produce in a residential neighborhood. The good news? Some cities are now rewriting their ordinances to be more friendly to food growing activities. Unfortunately, this is not yet the norm. And together, we need to raise awareness and influence policy to support making our communities more food secure. You can help do this by inviting local government leaders to your community garden, educate them about best practices nationwide in urban agriculture, work with them to frame change not as a for or against scenario, but rather as a way to strengthen and improve the health of our communities. It seems so simple to plant a seed and grow food. That seed, however, is often a symbol of change. It grows not only food, but power, strength, connections, an outspoken voice, and the confidence that you will be able to provide for your family. All living things need a rest, and a garden is no different. It is critical that you allow time for both your soil and your soul to rest and rejuvenate. I find the best times to do this are in the heat of summer and the dead of winter. Spring and fall are spent busily turning soil and planting seeds while the weather is ideal. The heat of summer in most places can be a bit oppressive and is a good excuse to do some writing, reading, and napping under the shade of a big oak tree. Things definitely slow down in the winter, making it a great time to relax and reflect on the season past, to flip through seed catalogs and dream about next year's garden. A great way to let your garden rest and replenish is by planting cover crops and green manures. A cover crop is essentially a crop that is grown to promote soil quality, biodiversity, and wildlife while suppressing weeds, pests, and disease. Green manure is created when a cover crop is plowed under to further improve soil fertility, biology, and organic matter. Soil organisms like fungi, worms, and bacteria decompose the vegetative matter and convert it into humus, which improves the quality of the soil. This is extremely valuable 
for organic gardeners who rely on natural fertilizers to grow healthy crops. Cover crops are nature's savings accounts, earning interest as they grow and rot. They will rebuild organic matter, improve water retention and nutrient holding capacity, and increase carbon sequestration in the soil. These are significant benefits that can restore productivity and help ensure the long-term health of our planet. Woo! And you got some cover crops, some top 10 cover crops, and some top five perennial herbs. So there's some great cover crops for cool season, for warm season. A couple of my favorite cool season cover crops. I'm into hairy vetch, Austrian winter peas, clovers, and rye. I like to throw some edibles in there, like turnips. For warm season, I love buckwheat as a fast-growing cover crop. There's some other like southern peas and sunhap are good. Sunflowers are actually good to mix in there. Got some top top five perennial herbs. Um, rosemary, oregano, thyme, parsley, and chives. That's top five perennial veggies. Asparagus, rhubarb, horseradish, yacon, and tree collards. And I'm going to finish the sustaining equals perseverance chapter, and I'm going to finish the Citizen Farmer's first podcast series with the following. Nine virtues in action, okay? One, by practicing good stewardship through composting, your soil will become more fertile and your soul will feel more fulfilled. Two, by having a well-conceived plan and a clear vision, your plants will feel less stressed and your life will feel more productive and purposeful. Three, by taking the initiative to till and tend the soil, you will become more confident and empowered to take action in other areas of your life. Four, by sowing seeds, you will learn to have faith that even the tiniest action on your part can make a big difference. Five, by having patience through the sometimes painful stages of growth, you will learn that the best things in life are always worth the long wait. Six, by healing sick plants and animals, you will cultivate compassion for others. Seven, by reaping the rewards of the harvest, you will learn to practice gratitude in all aspects of life. Eight, by sharing your garden with others, you will develop a more generous spirit. And nine, finally and most importantly, by persevering through the challenges that growing healthy food presents, you will be able not only to provide better for your family, but also to help foster a more sustainable world. If you're into organic gardening or interested in learning more about it, Thank you. You may not realize how much we need your body of knowledge and your voice. Until World War II, just about everyone knew how to grow food in one way or another. But the war changed American culture. Wartime chemicals and engineering innovations birthed the industrial farming movement. Booming business provided jobs for returning service people in cities and factories. More women entered the workforce. And convenience food started taking center stage on dinner tables. In short, over the past 60 years or so, Traditional food-growing wisdom has skipped two generations, if not more. Those who have begun gardening recently are helping to refill this void. Today, citizen farmers are reviving an age-old legacy, helping to restore critical, life-sustaining, future-ensuring knowledge to humanity. Thank you for joining us. And that, my friends, wraps up Season 1 of the Citizen Farmers Podcast. It's been such a pleasure Huge thanks and shout out to Ben Bernstein and Stephanie Lamont and to all you listeners for listening and sharing your love. Join the Citizen Farmers community. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. 
For more information, check out today's show notes. Special thanks to our pilot sponsor, Netafin, the company that first brought drip irrigation to the world over 50 years ago. This podcast was co-produced and recorded by Ben Bernstein. Our audio editor is Stephanie Lamond. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Citizen Farmers Podcast with Farmer D. Until next time, enjoy your time in the garden.